Hello, my name is Tom Boone. And I'm Joanna Bailey. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Simple Flying Podcast, where we'll give you the lowdown on the latest news from the world of commercial aviation. And this week, Joe is back, so here's what we're going to discuss. Sorry, everyone, needed a break, um, but I am back. And coming up today, Tom is going to reflect on the air traffic control meltdown in the UK last week, while I see why the CR929 might be losing its R. I'll reveal a new look at a Lufthansa subsidiary while Joe explores the idea of flying without any kids in the cabin. That sounds nice. (laughs) (laughs) Finally, Tom will say his goodbyes to one of the industry's stalwart airline CEOs. So now you know what's in store, let's get on with the show. And last week I touched on this chaos uh, Nats in the UK. Um, And within a week, we already have a report of what went wrong, which I think is incredible, even by aviation standards. Um, So what did go wrong? Well, basically, um, a flight plan was input into the system of the, the flight traffic control system. And Apparently, there's a few points in the world where waypoints have the same name as, uh, like, there's two points with the same name. Okay. Um, and basically, this is what happened. Um, so, an, a, a flight plan, I'm, I'm dumbing this down very much, and I might even not understand it fully myself, but <laughs> from my understanding, this was a flight that originated outside of the UK and landed outside of the UK, but just flew through the UK airspace. And my understanding is that the system, um, gets sent the flight plan from Eurocontrol, and then it does some weird stuff to um, work out the first uh, waypoint in the UK airspace and the last waypoint in the UK airspace. And if it can't find that, then it goes one more and one more and one more. Um, And basically, it just got confused because this, uh, it had missed the one and the two, and it was on its third waypoint outside the UK or something. Um, And... It couldn't find the waypoint because it was confused with the other waypoint. And it was just like, yeah, I don't know what's going on. So um, the best thing to do is just to shut down. Um, so, oh, you've got to love computers, haven't you? Yeah, so it did this. <laughs> Computer um, says no. <laughs> and then the uh, the backup system started and did the same thing and got the same result and said, I don't know what to do. I'm going to shut down. And apparently this whole process took place within 20 seconds, um, both systems failing. Um, So what I did find interesting was that Nat said this specific flight plan had never been filed before because otherwise this would have happened before. Um, And I just find it crazy, you know, like more than 15 million flight plans over five years have gone through the system and this has never happened. It shows... I think this really is like a win the lottery type of event, but um, <laughs> have they you're, named you're not really the aviator that supplied that flight plan? Or not? <laughs> no, they haven't. Um, <laughs> I, I, I think you could possibly extrapolate it from. Uh, maybe I'll do that in my free time later. Um, but, <laughs> Sounds like a fun evening, Tom. <laughs> yeah, well, these are my days now. <laughs> um, it's it's not everyone is really happy with this report though because um, around half a day later, uh, Ryanair's Michael O'Leary posted a video on YouTube, um, not YouTube, on LinkedIn, and there were several things in the video. Number one, I thought, why has he recorded this video in front of Illumination's minions? Um, he does answer this later on in the the call. He says. Um, I am sitting here in front of a number of minions who, frankly, frankly, would do a better job of running the UK's Nats than Martin Rolfe and his management team. That's the CEO of Nats. Um, 
he's gone on to criticize the report. He says the report says that um, 1,500 flights were cancelled. Eurocontrol says that the UK had uh, more than 2,000 fewer flights that day. Um, 575 flights were delayed. Ryanair itself says that it had more than 1,000 flights to delay. Um, <laughs> then that's not even mentioning other carriers. And um, Nats also said the UK airspace remained open. Um, and Ryanair basically said it's irrelevant if the UK airspace remains open if no one can use it. Um, so I think he does have a point there. Um, the only thing that I do disagree with O'Leary on is he says Nats should explain why its backup system failed um, and what they're doing to introduce an effective backup system rather than the rubbish they have at the moment. But, you know, I think they did, from my understanding of it, they did really explain why it failed. Um, now the CAA is going to do an independent review into all of this and um, it's going to keep going on. We'll find out probably more at what mm. happened. I did ask the CEA for a comment and they said, we stand by our report, which clearly explains the root cause, how our operation was recovered safely and the solution that is now in place to ensure it cannot happen again. It mm. is a preliminary report that makes clear the areas we look at. So um, I think number one thing to say is they have now worked out what happened and they've um, basically told the computer, if this does happen, it's not the end of the world. Um, I mean, a bit surprised though that there's not just like a guy whose job it is to sit there and if something if the computer doesn't like a flight plan rather than just shutting down the country uh, <laughs> he gets like a little flag on his desktop that says i'm a bit confused with this can you help you would think so, wouldn't you? Yeah. There'd be some sort of manual intervention. But it always boggles my mind how much aviation is controlled by computers. Mm. You know, we saw it with Southwest over Christmas. Like one little thing causes a domino effect. The whole system I mean, collapses. And all of a sudden you've got planes and staff and people who don't know where they're going. And it's a complete nightmare. I mean, even, you know, the, the flight is mostly computers. Uh, there's, mm. The pilots are not sat there holding the controls the whole way. They're just putting numbers into the... Um, uh, the flight management system and no disrespect to them but mm. <laughs> you know well, it's, it's a very responsible job it is it is yeah it does uh, it, it's kind of scary but I think the difference with an airplane is there's redundancy on top of redundancy yeah. you know there's generally at least three things that will have to fail before there's mm. something catastrophic whereas on the ground it seems like we're using 30 year old systems that just about have a squeaky backup somewhere um and anyway. the squeaky backup is the exact same thing yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, <laughs> which um, doesn't help i will just briefly mention it's not really part of my story but while i'm there um this wasn't the only reason that o'leary was in the news this week because uh today as we're recording this on thursday he went to brussels to complain about eu uh, ATC strikes, and he mm. got hit in the face by two cream pies. Um, <laughs> he seemed to make the best of it, though. He's, he wasn't, uh, I can imagine some airline CEOs would run away and hide. Um, he proudly gave the press conference with pie on the side of his face and, um, you know, selling the virtues of Irish cream over e EU cream or something. And, uh, you know, when people were asking about that, he said, we've not come here to talk about cream. We've come here to talk about Brussels. So... <laughs> He's a great guy, um, real yeah. um, character real of character. the industry. Yeah, love him. Uh, well, love him or hate him, he is what he is. And uh, he's always entertainment and good for headlines anyway. Mm. Um, so something that was also quite good for headlines last week was the notion that the CR929 might be losing its R. Well, that might not seem like a really big thing. I mean, you might not even have heard of the CR929. So let's begin at the beginning. So China and Russia <laughs> formed... Say that again? It's a good place to begin. <laughs> 
<laughs> it is a good place to begin. So China and Russia formed the China-Russia Commercial Aircraft International Corporation, or CRAIC, Crake, as Irish people like to say that they're having a good time, they're having a crake. I think that's how they use that word anyway. Um, back in 2016, it took a really long time to figure out all the agreements between them to make this work. But finally, in 2016, the joint venture got off the ground. They intended to build an aircraft that would be a globetrotting widebody, available in three versions, seating between 250 and 320 passengers. They called it the CR929. So the CR stands for China-Russia. Very simple. Well, initially... Russia. I, I don't know. I, I well, guess it's, because it's bigger it's than the, the 919. Yeah, yeah, I think that's <laughs> and where it comes from. And 9's a lucky number, isn't it, in China? I don't know. I don't but... know. Maybe that's <laughs> seven. Anyway, let's find out about the entomology of the CR929 on another podcast. Um, so Russia wanted to build a quad jet based on the Aleutian IL-96. Um, China preferred a twin-engine wide-body airliner, very much like an A330 or a 787, with a view to challenging the Airbus and Boeing duopoly. China won out in the end. The end project that's being taken forward or was being taken forward is a twin jet, but it has been faced with years of delays. And even in the last couple of years, it wasn't expected to enter service until at least 2030. Well, now it seems that China's going to be going it alone with any wide body aircraft because the CEO of United Aircraft Corporation or UAC has now stated that it will no longer be a partner in the project. So this guy, Yuri Salasa, made the statement during an interview at a military event called Army 2023. He said that it was all about the um, sanctions imposed on Russia following its invasion of Ukraine, and it meant that it was impossible for it to continue as a partner in the project. So the decision seems to have been made, but, you know, undoing this joint venture will take a lot of time, um, just as it took a lot of time to put it together in the first place, because it means altering all these agreements between the governments of China and Russia, you know, intellectual property stuff and all sorts of complicated things. So Russia will probably be named on the project for some time. And actually... Despite what Mr. Salasa said, Russia does want to stay involved. Um, he says that the Russian industry plans to continue with the programme as a normal supplier and builder of things like the composite wing, the PD-35 engines, various other subsystems for the aircraft. Um, but this is kind of the latest in the ongoing fallout from the Russia sanctions. You know, it's it's been going on for 18 months now. Um, and when Russia invaded Ukraine, the aviation industry kind of took the first and greatest brunt of Western sanctions because they cut flight connections, support and parts supply immediately stopped. Um, the flip side of that was Moscow refused, refused to return hundreds of commercial aircraft that Western leases had demanded mm. back. Some of those leases have started getting a bit of money back now, which Only is Only now, though. Only now, though, 18 yeah. months down the line. Um, so the latest reports suggest that Russian airlines have still managed to import approximately $1.2 billion worth of parts for their Airbus and Boeing aircraft since May last year. Um, that is because they're managing to do a loophole by importing from countries that don't have sanctions on them. Countries like Tajikistan, the UAE, Turkey, China, Kyrgyzstan. Um, so, you know, it's very difficult to obtain any reliable information about the true state of spare supply and the safety of the in-service aircraft in Russia. Um, but, you know, details that have been leaked are quite worrying and they it's just showing that keeping Russia's airline fleet safely operational is definitely becoming more challenging mm. by the day. I think that we have a struggle with assuming that everything does calm down. You know, these aircraft aren't going to go anywhere else other than Russia now. 
it will take a lot of certification for them to fly back I, into I Europe. I would or... question if they would even be ever allowed. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be a long-running issue, I think. Mm. I wish I'd visited Moscow 10 years ago. <laughs> yeah, well, I didn't visit Moscow this week, but I did manage to visit somewhere else. Are we segueing? I feel like... Yes. You were done? Yep. I am um, done. Okay. This is my wonderful segue then. Um, I didn't visit Moscow this week, but I did visit Frankfurt Airport. Um, <laughs> so I wanted to talk a little bit about that. That's, I think, award for the worst segue that we've done so far. Um, and basically, I want to talk about Discover Airlines. Have you heard of them? Maybe not. Maybe... I have, but only because <laughs> yeah. I saw your photos yesterday. <laughs> yeah, so um, you may remember two years ago, actually, I was at Frankfurt Airport for the first flight of Eurowings Discover, uh, which was the new ocean uh, at some point and whatnot, um, long haul, short, whatever carrier for Eurowings, who knows? I don't really, the leisure, I don't know what their actual USP is. <laughs> they're part of Lufthansa Group and they're not Lufthansa, basically, um, more doing holiday stuff. So they decided that they were going to put a, re, completely rebrand the airline. And I went to the airport on um, on, on Wednesday, Tuesday even, armed with my camera and was told to meet at this desk. So I did. There's lots of other people there with cameras and I'm like, I'm not really sure what to expect. Um, Taking so, some photos, maybe? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I wasn't <laughs> sure. Like, so we ended up just getting on a bus um, and driving around the airport a bit. And then we ended up um, stopping pretty much right by the um, the furthest runway. Um, you know, if I had been a crazy person who didn't know that that's probably not the best thing to do, I could have easily just run straight out to the runway. But thankfully, you know, we're trusted uh, enough to not do that. Um, but yeah, so I got to stand there. And then we slowly saw um, on the map uh, on flight radar, uh, big out, shout out to them for our flight radar needs. <laughs> um, we slowly saw this plane coming closer and closer to Frankfurt. And then finally, it flew past us at... Um, 5,000 feet or so, and I got the the lens as zoomed as it would go, and it was still only like a speck on the lens at this point, and took the photo, and then zoomed in that photo, and you could see, you know, like for when you compare the photo that I took on my phone, um, just with no zoom compared to what you got from the zoom, that was really impressive in itself. Um, but then this plane flew around, and we got lovely pictures of it landing and coming down the runway, and essentially it's got the new... Um, I, I keep saying Eurowings Discover, but it's not Eurowings Discover. It's Discover Airlines livery. Um, and, you know, it is the classic Euro white of the Lufthansa group, but it looks really good. You know, like, it's like, I, I don't want to say Euro white redone, but it is just, you know, like, you can really see somebody from Lufthansa gave the Lufthansa livery and said, like, copy this, but make it your own. Um, because <laughs> the, the paint on the tail has the same sort of angle down the fuselage as the Lufthansa. And it even mm. looks like the Lufthansa blue at the bottom. Um, but, you know, instead of that, you've got several shades of blue and even some yellow, which is dotted around, which is quite nice. And then, you know, I guess that's just... what Lufthansa did with its leftover yellow paint from when it took the yellow out of its own livery. <laughs> <laughs> quite possibly, yeah. But it's, it's, I think the yellow, it's very subtle, you know, it's only a small part of the tail and a dot near the front, but it works very well. 
Um, but yeah, I, um, then we got we drove um, across the airport. We weren't quite so quick this time because when we the plane was going, we had a follow me car, uh, which let us go like down the taxiway at breakneck speeds in this bus. Going, um, <laughs> but this time we didn't have the follow me car, so we had to just stick in the traffic like everyone else. And uh, by the time we got to the gate, the aircraft was already parked up. But then we got to have a little look at it from outside, right on the the apron, which. You know, I again, I thought this was crazy that we were even allowed to do this because I feel like, mm. a, you know, in somewhere like Heathrow, I don't even think anyone would be allowed to do that. Um, <laughs> but it was, you know, everyone behaved, thankfully, um, and we got nice up nice and close with the airplane. And it's it's a real beauty. I would say, you know, definitely check out the livery on our website because mm. it's, I've, I, you know, like it's, I really like it. <laughs> <laughs> I really liked Eurowings Discover as well. I thought it all looked very nice well, and very you engaging. Can just, I mean, Eurowings still exists and it's basically the same without the word Discover on the side. Mm. So, <laughs> Yeah. Well, it's always nice to see a new livery. Um, mm. I was supposed to actually go to Heathrow and do a an airside inspection of the EV jet coming over from Anna on its mm. inaugural flight. But uh, sadly, the plane went tech the night before and it didn't arrive when it should have done. And then we couldn't get clearance the next day. But I saw photos of it. I, guess I feel like I feel do. like you weren't as disappointed as our friend Sam Chewy, though, because I saw he I was, was so meant to be on that flight. Oh, was he? Then he just ended up on this normal A&A flight to Heathrow. <laughs> <laughs> like pointless yeah. <laughs> they have promised to send me some pokemon goodies though so i'm pretty delighted about that <laughs> anyway um one person who likes pokemon even more than me is my daughter um and being a mum of two who traveled a lot when my kids were very small i completely sympathize with parents of screaming kids when they're on a flight you know it is hard Babies find it very stressful. It's very noisy. Their ears hurt, you know, and there's nothing you can do if your child's screaming. Getting cross with them is only going to make it worse. Nevertheless, now that I'm a little older and my children are a bit older, when I'm off for my romantic weekend with my husband, like that ever happens, or a nice long haul trip for simple flying, sitting a row or two in front or behind a screaming baby is really the last thing I want. And I think most other adults would agree with me if they're being honest. Well, an airline has come up with a plan to save child-free travellers from enduring the family life unwantedly. And it's one of Tom's favourite airlines, Corindon. <laughs> Why are they one of my favourite airlines? I flew Didn't them twice. did you fly to Turkey with them or No, something? I flew to Greece with them once and, you know, oh, they okay. weren't bad, but it was... <laughs> Standard holiday airline. I don't know why they're one of my favourites. <laughs> Just one of them I know you've talked about in the past. Anyway, yeah. it's not Corindon Turkish. It's Corindon Dutch Airlines, which is the sister company. And it's testing its adult-only cabins on long-haul flights from Amsterdam to the lovely Caribbean destination of Curaçao in November this year. So they're going to be allocating 102 seats for adult-only at the front of their Airbus A350. And that includes nine seats with the extra legroom. Um, for the purposes of the these flights, adults are classed as anyone over 16. I would argue having a 17-year-old son that 17 is not adult by any way, shape or form. But at least they probably will be on their phones more than they'll be screaming the plane down, I guess. Um, so they're not really separate cabins. Like in some cases, the bulkhead will separate it from the rest of the cabin. In other cases, it'll be a curtain. Um, but the airline believes that it will be good for families as well as for the people who don't want to fly next to kids. Uh, because the families, I guess, will feel maybe less 
stressed about a crying child if they know overly sensitive adults have already placed themselves far away from the screaming baby row. Um, but this privilege does come at a cost. So reserving an adult-only seat will cost around an extra 45 euros, which is almost $50. Um, and if you want one of the extra legroom seats in the adult-only cabin, it's 100 euros extra on top of your standard fare. Okay, that's a ridiculous price for that. <laughs> I didn't think it was great. I mean, that's a lot, right, for an that airline is... that's leisure and kind of well, affordable cost, flying. So is it low it's, cost? It, yeah. yeah. It's, it's one of these you pay for everything you want airlines. So... Right. I but mean, still, I would see, I guess, all the way to the Caribbean. It's kind the of... 25, maybe, at a push. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't be shelling out $100 for the extra legroom seat, for sure. Um, but it was interesting because it's not the first airline to try out this idea, actually, um, because Singapore Airlines' low-cost subsidiary Scoot has actually been operating Scoot-in-silence cabins since back in 2018. So they're not entirely adult-only, but they do restrict passengers in the cabin to be aged 12 or over. So that kind of eliminates the screaming baby element. Not that I keep placing all the problems on the baby's part you know it's toddlers as well and to be honest sometimes some of the adults are less well behaved than <laughs> do you know who i am <laughs> so you know the question is whether any of these initiatives go far enough because i spotted a survey today by holidayextras.com that they did earlier this year that found 83 percent of passengers would pay extra if the entire flight was adult only so what do you reckon tom simple flying adult only flights <laughs> Well, I mean, um, if there's free booze, go for it. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's an interesting concept. I don't mm. know. I don't think I'd want to pay the extra. I'd just take my chances in the main cabin probably and save the 45 well, euros for alcohol. <laughs> I mean, it was quite funny when we flew out to Abu Dhabi earlier this year on the 380 with Etihad. Um, you know, Reese and I were up the front and a couple of other people on the trip were down the back of the business cabin. And we got off and we were like, that was the most wonderful flight. We went to the bar, we relaxed, we had a couple of drinks. It was I even had a nap. And the people from the back were like, oh, after <laughs> they'd been stuck with children. So, um, yeah. <laughs> I've been surprised by how many families fly kids in business class between particularly the Middle East and so Europe. What I found fascinating was when we were in Kazakhstan, there were so many unaccompanied minors in business class on Fly Aristana oh, really? on these uh, domestic flights, which I thought was um, wasted on them because I could have been there. <laughs> no, I shouldn't say <laughs> It'd that. It'd be fine in economy, I'm yeah. sure. They're really little. <laughs> it's only an hour. <laughs> anyway, so that's my adult-only flights. Um, I'll now introduce Tom's amazing segue, which I is going to go like I am going this. to talk about an adult um, who used to run an airline <laughs> and now no longer does. Um, <laughs> and that specific adult is CEO of XCO Qantas, Alan Joyce. Um, he was already slated to leave the airline in two weeks' time, uh, two, two months' time, sorry, but... Um, the thought of retirement is just a bit too 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 much for him. So um, he it was interesting because a day before he announced he resigned, we already ran a story saying that there was mounting pressure for him to resign. Um, in talking about it, he made a comment that the best thing I can do under the current circumstances is to bring forward my retirement and hand over to Vanessa and the new management team now, knowing they will all do an excellent job. 
There is a lot I'm proud of over my 22 years at Qantas, including the past 15 years as CEO. There have been many ups and downs, and there's clearly much work still to be done, especially to be sure that we deliver for our customers. But I know leaving the company is fundamentally strong and has a bright future. Um, it seems basically like there was it's it's to do with legal action taken out by Australia's competition regulator and oh, kind right. of the decision is just like it's probably best if I'm not the focus of this um, yeah and whatnot and you know to be honest if he was going already in two months I don't see the the real big deal of him going a bit earlier um, it will be very interesting to see how Qantas does over its uh, with its new CEO because you know Alan Joyce's really been synonymous with Qantas um for a long time now. yeah well, he's yeah. been there for CEO for 15 years I think I think it might be good you know for any airline though after so long to just get a breath of fresh air and new ideas mm. and whatnot um so you know um I don't really want to delve too much into this story because you it's a lot of You've, yeah you know, like it, it's it's one of these stories that you know is could be five words and you kind of get the gist. Um, but <laughs> um, but if you want to read a lot more words, we have a very interesting piece on it that does really dive deeper into the story than I'm going to today on our website, as mm. we do with a lot of our stories. So check that out. But all the best wishes to Vanessa as her in her role as Qantas's new CEO. I'm delighted to see another female CEO stepping into the aviation industry. We need more of them. Go girls. Um, anyway, I think that's all we've got time for on today's podcast. We do hope you enjoyed it and welcome your feedback at editorial at simpleflying.com. For more great content, you can visit our website at simpleflying.com or find us on social media. Simply search for Simple Flying. If you enjoyed the podcast, please leave us a rating on your favourite podcast player. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.